Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode of Zero to CEO, I have with me a successful entrepreneur and co-founder and CEO, Billy Price. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Jason. I really appreciate it. No problem. And in today's episode, we're going to cover how to make a difference one foot at a time, pun intended, with Billy Price. And I guess uh, you make difference one foot at a time because I see in the background uh, for our watchers, not listeners, uh, Billy has a bunch of shoe racks in the background. So tell me a little bit about what I'm looking at. I see a variety of shoes. I see a Billy Goat logo. Uh, what, how do you make a difference one foot at a time? <laughs> well, there's a lot going on behind me right here. Uh, so we're a shoe company based out of Seattle. Um, we, uh, we started a number of years ago, and uh, it, it started as a side hustle between me and my buddy, and it turned into our main hustle. And uh, um, our slogan is trying to make a measurable difference in the world one foot at a time. So that's that's kind of our stick. How do you do that with um with a shoe company? I know that there's a sock company. I forget what they're called, but they for every sock sold, they donate one to an unfortunate person in another part of the world. Um, h- how do you do that with shoes? Well, the big thing with us is the way our design is set up. Um, there's a wraparound zipper which allows the whole upper of the shoe to fold over, so you actually drop your foot in unobstructed. And uh, the premise behind that was it came from my own story. I'm a wheelchair user. I broke my neck a number of years ago, and uh, I couldn't put my shoes on anymore. I just lost that ability dexterity-wise. So we came up with a design that really helped someone like myself to be able to put their shoes on again. But the main premise was not to make something specifically for a niche audience. It was to be able to create something that really embodied universal design that everybody could use. But the main difference point was uh, being able to empower that independence. Right. So you found a pain point because of your injury and you solved the problem that you had in a unique way. So what were some of the, I want to hear the, the, I'm, I'm more of a nuts and bolts kind of guy. So take me through the problem solving that you went through. What were the iterations that like, for example, anyone out there listening or watching this right now who has a product idea and take them through the process of concept on a paper napkin to prototyping, to, you know, manufacturing, to selling. How, how did you figure all of that out? Yep. Well, you're nailing it right on the head there. So it started with an idea and then it takes action. So from there, we made a drawing and uh, my co-founder, my fellow co-founder, Darren, um, he already had some background on how to actually produce a shoe. So he already, he went and took a class uh, through that class. He was able to get some contacts on um, finding an agent that could get you connected with a connect with the factory and uh, we had our drawing and uh, we called out our materials and then we sent it to that agency. Let's, and, let's, uh, let's, about- let's, 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 um, let's pause for a second here. Cause you're going through a lot of steps all at once. I kind of like digging into each of them. Okay. You mentioned you have a drawing. So where did the drawing come from? Who drew it? How did you come up with the design? Did you have multiple different drawings that you showed to people and said, pick the one you like the most? Did you have someone that have drawing skills? Like these are people that are watching. They might not have these skills. They might not know where to go to get those skills. So take me through the process of actually coming up with the design. Sure. No problem. So, I mean, drawings can be incredibly, incredibly detailed, or they can be just like more conceptual. So the drawing that Darren put together, it was very much conceptual. He put it together using Adobe Illustrator. So it had, um, there weren't any dimensions attached to it. It was essentially just a 2D drawing. 
Very much so. Yeah, very much so. And then, the, but there was a three, there was a 3D kind of rendering, which had it kind of shown in more of like a 45 degree profile, cool. just so it kind of gave some depth. Okay. But it was a very rudimentary drawing. There wasn't a whole lot to it. Okay. And then, and then the, 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 the zipper mechanic, was that part yeah, of the drawing too? It was part of the, but it didn't have the mechanics of the zipper itself. It just had kind of the path of where the zipper could go. Okay. And then what you do is you call out the type of material you're going to use. So we called out suede. We called out, um, you know, a zipper that you put in a jacket. I mean, that was kind of our starting point. And uh, just to kind of throw that out there is a rudimentary prototype. So we sent illustrations of something you'd seen in a magazine saying like, well, this type of shoe mm. from this particular brand. Um, so gathering examples. Exactly, exactly. And uh, we just kind of really just, you know, leaned on the factory itself, knowing that they've been in the shoe business, knowing they know how to make a shoe. They would be able to take like kind of these random parts and then to be able to make a prototype. So here's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that you Frankenstein the hell out of this by drawing a concept, coming up with a mechanic, showing examples to a company or factory that has already been doing it for years gathering all of this data, you know, drawings and examples and coming up with some sort of concept that they then presented to you. Is that kind of what? Yes, sir. That's exactly what happened. So they took those parts to kind of put it together. They sent us back a drawing that looked way better than ours. uh, (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And we said yes. Yeah. (laughs) So they they handed the product to you on a silver platter. I love it. Um, (laughs) That's great. We got so, it. I mean, they gave us a drawing and then we said yes. And then they actually made the shoe and then they sent it to us. And lo and behold, we put our hand on it and it looked like a real shoe. It looked like. The so they actually manufactured a prototype of this for you. Indeed. Yes. And you, and you tried it on and it worked exactly how you expected it to work. There were no issues. There were no issues. We Whoa. hit it. We, we, I know. See, that's the thing. Like that That's impossible. <laughs> yeah. We went very simple, like all black suede. So there wasn't a whole lot of air possible when it comes to the material. Right. But the actual execution was beautiful. And uh, uh, when Darren presented it to me, I put my shoes on. Um, and in that moment, I was 36 years old. I broke my neck when I was 18. And uh, so literally half, half a lifetime later, I was wow. taking back that independence. And it was so special. We knew we had to share it. So I can't even imagine the feeling you got. The <laughs> I, can't, yeah. I, I want to go back to the feeling you got because everybody has like the aha moment when they're an entrepreneur, right? And that was – you just mentioned yours. You said – Half a lifetime later, what was the feeling like when you first put on the shoes on your own with no help? What was the first thing that went through your mind? <laughs> well, there was two things. One was why on earth did it take us 18 years to do this? Oh. <laughs> that, that, that was one. But secondly, like, oh, my gosh. Wow. I, uh, that, that, that was the last piece of the puzzle in my world of which I couldn't do independently. And all of a sudden that was – I was checked off and it was, it just became just the grounding driving force for us to then do the next crazy leap, which would be jump into the, the world and try to launch a product. I mean, that, that's so, where the really grind came from. So Billy footwear was born. And in, in that moment, I guess you used the Billy goat because they're hard headed and they're stubborn and they want to push through and they want to get to people's eyeballs, I'm guessing. So it's really a matter of, uh, of that determination. And so you had to manufacture these. Did the same factory then give you a certain amount of the shoes for you to kind of test run in a variety of sizes and you started selling them online? Is that what you did at first or trade shows? What did you do? So that factory wanted our business, but we ended up getting connected with somebody else that had 
what seemed like an avenue to a much better uh, product, even better product with better pricing. And uh, we took the leap of faith and moved forward with them. And uh, it backfired. <laughs> it backfired big time. We, uh, oh. we manufactured 4,200 pairs of shoes. And of those 4,200 pairs, 80% of them were blemished. They were bad. We couldn't even Oh, stop. no. Did they at least offer you a refund or? Mm, no, no way. I mean, like when, when you start working overseas like that. Oh, it was overseas. Uh, so yeah, so the, the company well. you were with originally was in America? So, yeah. Well, so, well, we were. So originally the factory we went to, that was also over in China. Okay. We were working with an agent here in the States. And, uh, but, you know, we, we didn't really. We were stepping into this big stage. We didn't really know what we were doing, really. We are taking it one day at a time. What made you switch? I'm, I'm really curious on this because it sounds like you had found a winner when it comes to the manufacturer because they sent you a product that you liked. And I understand it sounded like the pricing might not have been what you wanted. But what made you switch if you had such a great partnership in the beginning? Well, before it was just going directly to a factory, working directly with like some agent. The, the reason we shifted is because we got connected with the designer. The designer had been in the shoe business for a long, long time, and they had contacts with the factory overseas. So they sold us a line, really, and we took a hook, line, and sinker. And uh, it ended up being, um, unfortunately, not a very good relationship, and uh, it really led to an epic, right-out-of-the-gate disaster. And oh. uh, both financially, it was financially devastating because, I mean— 4,000 pairs of shoes. I mean, and that inventory is not, it's not like a small little widget. It's a large box with shoes in it. And where are you going to, what did you do with those shoes? Did well, you- in terms of storing, uh, we stored it, stored them in our first warehouse, which doubled as my parents' basement. <laughs> and then, so your uh, parents' uh, basement were full of 4,000 shoes. Oh my exactly. God. I can't exactly. even imagine. Did you donate so, them to people that needed them? Is that what you ended up doing? Essentially, that, that's what we eventually did. But the big thing was um, from that failure, um, it, real, it, it made us realize that we couldn't go to that factory. We couldn't go. We couldn't use that designer anymore. And uh, it forced us to really kind of get out of our comfort zone and go out and find people that really knew what they were doing in the industry. Right. And uh, so from that failure, um, we, uh, another person joined our team who was a shoe dog in the industry for many, many, many years. And when I say shoe dog, that means that uh, he's the guy that was on the ground floor, like actually fitting people for feet, um, you know, we're from Nordstrom, had lots of contacts with Zappos. And uh, through those connections, we uh, ended up getting connected with another sourcing partner. Hmm. And a sourcing partner is a guy like more like the agency that we were talking about earlier. Right. Um, they would be the connection with us for us to a, a factory overseas. And uh, we went in them and we went into their store Um into their office and uh, told our story of like where we'd come, the idea, the vision, kind of our mission, um, the idea, the design, the concept. And they could have said no, but instead they said yes. Isn't and, that great uh, when someone finally says yes after a million no's? And totally. um, it sounds like you went through a lot of uh, struggles and you learned a lot from your mistakes. And every entrepreneur goes through this, right? Every entrepreneur has to learn from their mistakes. But once you do, you're able to then thrive. You're able to then do what your mission said it was going to do. And take me through the process of now you have Billy, it's established, you have the designer, you have the shoes correctly. How did you start selling them? So because now we had a quality product, um, it was a matter of the gentleman that joined our team uh, that kind of got us connected with that sourcing partner. 
He also had connections with Nordstrom, Zappos, um, some other major retailers. Uh, his name is Patrick Foster, and uh, he um, was able to set up meetings that we could go in and actually meet with the buyers of these of these uh, of these stores. And it wasn't we got into those stores because of Patrick. It was more Patrick was able to open the door for us to be able to make the introduction. We still had to do the work, of course, of being able to tell the story and uh, show the vision and uh, really just dedicate ourselves to make sure that the suit the shoes would sell and, and, how, and how's again, it how's it been going with the sales it's been going amazing it's going amazing so we we hit the shelves of uh, nordstrom and zappos in 2017 just for back to school okay and uh, given that success and that was just with kids shoes right. given that success um we were able to expand into toddlers it'll expand into men's and women's and start going wider and now we're in stores across the U.S. Wow, we're in, Canada, we're in the we're in Congrats, uh, Europe. man. Um, Target, you know. You wow, know, you're every Billy's everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next time I go to Target, I'm going to check you guys out. Have you um, have you partnered with any foundations, nonprofits, ch- charities, anyone that is uh, you know helping the in- inclusivity of people with injuries? There are a lot of nonprofits that reach out to us, and they're also just really really beautiful collaborations because a lot of these. Uh, a lot of these nonprofits are using, um, they'll have an audience that needs a functional shoe, but they're also, they don't want to compromise on the fashion. They want both fashion and function. Of course. So, so they're having success with the product, which is great. And then uh, we can work with them to allow them to buy shoes at the discount. And then plus have a mechanism where there's a donation going back to the nonprofit. So that's great. not only, not only are they using the product and succeeding with the product, but also we are a, a, a platform that they can tell their story and help get the word out of what they're trying to achieve. It's a worthy cause. Have you found any indirect niche target audiences that popped up out of nowhere that you never thought would have happened to, that needed this kind of shoe? Yeah, well, that's a, that's, that's a great question. Uh, one of the first audiences that reached out to us um, was a mom asking the question, do these shoes work with an AFO? And uh, I had to go to Google to do a search of what an AFO was. I had right. no idea what that was. Me neither. What it sounds for is ankle foot orthosis, which is kind yeah. of a, a plastic brace that one needs when they're working through their gait. Interesting. And uh, the, the challenge with that plastic brace is being rigid. It's very mm. challenging to shove your foot into a shoe. So given the functionality of our shoe, having wow. it open up, it drops in unobstructed. So when the mom asked that, I, I saw the picture. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're, you're struggling with the same challenge I have. Like, <laughs> That's great. Work great. Gotta love when stuff like that happens. Well, Billy, this was fantastic. I'd love to have you tell people where they can find your shoes, if they can, um, you know, donate to your cause, if you have one, or any other information about what you guys do and how to find you. Great. Well, our mothership is BillyFootwear.com. So on BillyFootwear.com, there is a tab that says store locations. If you click on that, you can see lots and lots of uh, retail partners that we have throughout the U.S., Canada, Europe, Australia, all that. But BillyFootwear.com, that is an e-commerce site, so you can buy from us direct without trouble. When it comes to social, um, our social handle is at BillyFootwear. And uh, your other question about collaborations and uh, all these nonprofits, um, on our website, BillyFootwear.com, there is a tab that says Association Partners, and you can see all these all the nonprofits that we collaborate with. Perfect. You nailed the name, man. BillyFootwear.com. Everyone check it out. Get a pair of shoes. And Billy, thanks again. Appreciate it. Hope you guys learned something from his journey and his story. And as always, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. 
You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you at next week's episode.